From the Middle Tennessee Association of Realtors, you're listening to Tenants in Common, a podcast sharing stories, motivation, and insight into the real estate industry. Christopher Wilson. And we're here with Mark Crocker, and he's our first on live guest. So, I don't know, how did you get so lucky, Mark? You know, I, I have never been a lucky person, but you know, Steve, I guess just knowing you kind of drew me into this, and here I am, glad to do my part. It's like a rose between two, two thorns. Is what oh, that's actually the best analogy. That is perfect. So, I love, I love it. So, Mark and I, a little history Mark and I got to work with one another. I was at the real estate commission, and Mark was at the accountancy board. And we've known each other for quite some time, and it's glad that our paths have crossed again. And we're going to tap into you as our vessel of knowledge. It, sure. Because it's tax season in Tennessee. Oh boy, yeah. everybody's favorite time. See, so, what do you think, Chris? Are you ready for your, your taxes? Uh, I file extensions. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it, you know, taxing, that's funny thing is with, with tax season, and, you know, realtors, of course, are very in tune with this, you know, because self-employed, 1099s, all that fun stuff. But, it, you know, this episode will be very uh, relevant for everyone, in all honesty. You know, any of our small businesses, any of our self-employed individuals, uh, any of our affiliates, uh, because this is one of those things that uh, I think people are either A, too overconfident with, or B, you know, not confident enough with, and it doesn't seem like you find a lot of middle ground there. So, uh, you know, this will be a fun, fun time to get some information. So be interesting. Yeah, I think so. You know, you mentioned extensions. Is there any fear anyone should have in filing an extension? You know, things have been so chaotic at the IRS for the last couple of years. I don't think anybody needs to fear filing an extension. The key to remember about filing an extension is even though you do extend the time that you have to file your return, the amount that's due is due when you file the extension. You don't get an extension on payment, you get an extension on time to file the paperwork. Let's keep that in mind. You should still have a really good idea of what your tax liability is going to be. Okay. And you can do this every year. You don't have, I mean, you don't get like one extension. You can do it every year? You can do it every year. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it, it it's not a. I should I should. Re- it is actually not a good thing, and not something that gets recommended to a lot of people. If you kind of get caught off guard for some reason, uh, it can help you, or if there's a direct reason. But that kind of goes into our first kind of question for you about you know why is it important uh, to hire a CPA? Um, you know, when it comes to being self-employed or or a business owner of any kind, uh, for that matter. Sure. Well, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. When you drive down the street and you see these houses with a sign out front that says for sale by owner, what do you think? Bless uh, we can't speak about that on the Bless podcast. Bless their heart. Bless their heart. Bless their heart. Bless their heart. Well, you know, CPAs are kind of the same way. Filing your taxes is one of those things that people think is just a normal course part of life. And of course it is. But there comes a point where if you have more than just some W-2s that you're inputting into a system there might be some things you're missing. Um, and we are here to help and guide you looking at it that way. I, I, in my opinion, it is money well invested to have a CPA on your side. 
I think you brought up a good point though, because you know, as realtors, it is a normal uh, process for us to almost get offended or hurt or or frustrated when, especially somebody we know doesn't you know use us to to help them with their home search or sell you know and but even also with even the general public but at the same time we can be some of the worst when it comes to hiring professional help in areas that we don't have expertise in um you know and and it's it's uh it's a good point to bring up that that for sale by owner is is an amazing analogy for this so there's so many nuances involved with filing your taxes especially as an independent contractor a yes. realtor, mm-hmm. you know, what are some of the things that are commonly missed deductions that one of our members needs to think about, especially now because they're pulling all that crap out on their, their dining room table? <laughs> uh, yes, the dining room table audit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that I have noticed is that once realtors get established and in the business, they tend to start forming partnerships or various and sundry things. Um, just because you go to dinner with someone does not mean that you need to form a partnership with them. Uh, let me caution you about partnerships. If it's a general partnership, your partner can bind you to things that you may not know about. And if your partner skips out, you're going to be stuck with the bill. So keep that in mind. Uh, as far as just your basic uh, things to remember, uh, one of the things I've noticed on, on the list of questions that, that you all were going to ask about was mileage. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of, C, uh, I'm sorry, real estate agents trying to put things into a business. Do not put your car into business. You're much better off taking a mileage deduction, in my opinion, um, because even if you do try to take actual expenses, you've got to keep up with all the gas receipts. You've got to keep up with all of the uh, car repairs. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep up with your insurance costs. You've got to keep, all of that has to, has to be available in case you're audited. But in addition to that, you've also got to keep a mileage log. You're going to have to keep it anyway because the mileage log is going to tell what percentage of your car is used for business as opposed to what is personal. Could you imagine? I can't think about what I had last night for dinner. If I had to keep a mileage log, I'd be screwed. I would would not be successful at day one. Yeah. No, you'd be screwed. (laughs) Uh, uh, You said it right the first time. Um, No, uh, but that's that's the funny thing. I, I'm the same way. The only way I keep up with it is an app. I mean, literally. But I was given the same kind of advices. And even then, with your vehicle, you're only getting a depreciation based on the initial value of the vehicle, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So so the mileage, and with the federal government right now, I think last time, what is it, 56 and a half cents? For 2021, it's 56 cents. 56 cents. For 2022, it's going to be 58 and a half cents a mile. So for when you start talking about that, and, and all the realtors and appraisers and anybody else know... Our cars are the ones that get turned in for trade uh, because they hit the 100,000 miles mark at two and three years. So, uh, you know, they do a lot of miles on their car. Can you deduct your vehicle tax, the wheel tax? No. Oh, man. At least they got away with MARTA. We don't have to do MARTA anymore, you know? (laughs) Well, they, and and actually, from our day on the hill, they are actually trying to do away with the, or phase out the wheel tax as far as that's concerned. So that might be kind of... What's the case? I, we there's need to a, see in the fine print. There's always fine print. Yes. So. In regard to... You know, if you do away with the will tax, where... Mm-hmm. Yeah, where's it going to... Yeah. Where's uh-huh. the money going to come from? Yes. You know, interesting, though, the will tax, the will tax was actually instituted in Rutherford County back in 19... 
70 or 71, I believe. That's before my time. Barely. To pay for the record, it was before yeah, my before time. Yeah, before his time. But to pay for the two new high schools, Oakland and Riverdale. Okay. That's what prompted it here in Rutherford County. And now, of course, it's just a standard part of life. And it's, I don't know how much of our budget it is, but it's significant, I imagine. <laughs> I'm going to put a little uh, bookmark into this because through our conversation, I found out he's a native, like, old school. Were you here when the Confederates left? <laughs> well, I was probably here when the Federal Union came in. Okay. So. <laughs> but he was talking a little, a little side note. You've been around here when the county was just off the square. That was considered the county. Well, if, if you know where St. Rose of Lima Church is, back when I was in elementary school, that was out in the county. Okay. Holy cow. Dude. Yeah. Wow. So it's grown exponentially. I mean, this is one of the fastest growing areas in the nation. Mm-hmm. Oh. Boy, okay. You got? All right. So I use a service because my, my taxes aren't as complicated. It rhymes with Furbofax. And... Um, <laughs> It's easy because for folks like me, I, this is not my skill set. Ta- taxes and all of that is not my skill set, and I always think it's a trick. And thankfully, that online service um, has dummied it down for folks like me and even have a little help section. So when do you cross the threshold of using a service like Furbofax and needing to come to someone like you to help prepare taxes? You know, there are a lot of different answers to that question. Uh, I think probably the most the most important one is, when do you get so frustrated <laughs> that you just want to throw your computer out the window? When it logs on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's when you need to seek out a tax professional. Uh, if it gets to the point where you, you're thinking, well, should I put that in or should I not put that in? Does this go here? Does this go there? Yes, now they do have somebody online who can help you. But I'd rather sit down across the table from somebody than have somebody on the line. But that's just me. I'm old school. I'm not technologically uh, as savvy as some of you younger people are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and there's a comfort, I think, in having someone to guide you. When you ask me a point-blank question, if I don't know the answer, I'll say, I'll look it up in my trusty little master tax guide. And if that doesn't do it, I'll do some research on it for you. I'll find an answer, mm-hmm. and I'll find the correct answer. They're going to give you an off-the-cuff answer that Ugh. that may or may not put you in the right area. Yeah, we kind of do the same thing when we're advice or ask for advice. Is there's three answers: yes, no, I'll find out. Mm-hmm. I never want to give someone the wrong piece Absolutely. of information. Yeah. Um, so with FurboFax, there's kind of this scale of strength of how well your tax return will be accepted in how or what are the odds you'll get audited? What is it that a CPA does to protect one of their clients through an audit? Well, let's just say, oh great, hi Mark, I just got this letter from the IRS. <laughs> what, what's the difference? Is, is an online service gonna give you the same kind of peace of mind? Or is this when a professional really is like, okay, let's, let's look through this, I can handle it. Well, another piece of information, Steve, that you probably don't know is I used to work for the Internal Revenue Service. So I love the IRS. (laughs) (laughs) That being said, Christopher Wilson. (laughs) I would say that your online service is going to give you limited protection. 
Whereas if you go to your CPA, yes, if you get audited, we've got documentation in our files for what you've given us. Mm-hmm. We're going to charge you for taking the time to represent you before the Internal Revenue Service. But you can sign a power of attorney. We will take the whole thing off your plate. You come to me, you say, Mark, this is what I got. I'll say, sign here. I'll go before the IRS as your representative and defend your return. What's that like? Do you have to like wear a blue suit and <laughs> carry a briefcase like X Files? I mean, or is it, you know, do you have to do a little song and dance? Like, they're really nice people, trust me. You know, it just depends on the IRS agent that you get. Uh, most of the agents with whom I have dealt since I left the service have been very professional and very reasonable. You know, they are out there to simply make sure the return is substantially correct. They're not going to audit it down to the penny. They can't. They don't have the time. I think it's one of our fears a lot of times is that's what they're going to do, and and that gets excessively difficult when you're trying to keep track of all those receipts and yeah. everything like that. So, As long as you, you can provide substantial uh, documentation for what is in your return, you're good to go. Would you recommend that folks get into the investment business? You know, we're in the business, uh, in the realtor world, to help folks buy and sell property, create generational wealth. Um, a lot of our members do the same thing, um, taking their own medicine. Do you recommend that be a good place to really get some deductions on your taxes is have investment property? Well, you know, the difference in being a real estate professional and just being, say, a lawyer is that if you get into rental real estate, you can take those, any losses that come along the way, you can take those. For other people, they are passive losses and they can only be taken against passive income. So for example, if you have excess passive losses and you're a lawyer, you can't deduct that anywhere on your tax return. On the other hand, if you're a real estate professional and you have rental income and some passive losses, technically you can deduct those on your return. Okay. So getting into some areas of rental real estate are probably a good idea for real estate professionals, especially in this market. Christopher's getting ready to go on a great trip to Puerto Rico, and sorry for sharing your personal information, but <laughs> could he take that trip and find some ways to talk business, like to d- deduct that from his taxes? Are you going to be looking at real estate property and... We're, we're being recorded here, so... <laughs> well, like, and, you know, the, the genesis of my question is, you know, realtors have the opportunity to go to conferences and conventions and attend events, and some of them are in um, Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. How does that handle? I mean, is that going to trigger an audit, or is that just smart, smart business to say, hey, I actually did do some business while I was out there? If you are going for a valid business purpose, then yes, it's deductible. If you go to Puerto Rico and you're on a, your honeymoon or a vacation, that's going to be hard to justify. Hmm. But on the other hand, if you and your lovely new bride go and look at rental property and you are actually seriously looking at property with the intention of perhaps purchasing it, that can be a valid business deduction. Hmm. That's why you need a CPA. That also goes back into the investment side of things. So when you have a history of investment properties and uh, you know investment work, that's going to be an easier uh, idea you know to to have happen than otherwise. Yes, do not bring me <laughs> if you have gone to Disney World with your family and you're trying to write off as a, as a business expense. 
that would be hard for me to defend as your power of attorney. <laughs> Have you seen how much Disney World charges? I mean, like, I'll look for a rental property there. So. Yeah. <laughs> if you can get one at Disney World, then you're a millionaire. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're saying. So, um, so I, I I use a CPA. I, I um, am a big proponent of it. I, I even um, teach some of my younger agents to get them before you even think you need one. Mm-hmm. One of the mistakes I made was not knowing when to to make that jump and i did get caught off guard the first year i had a substantial earning in real estate and you know when you're used to w2 income most of your life and then you end up as a 1099 person and no one's there to necessarily teach you uh what to keep track of and things like that so i i do think the the cpa concept is uh very valuable one of the other things that um I don't hear a lot of people talk about, but at least in my experience has been beneficial. Maybe you can speak on this a little bit is actually like tax planning with your CPA. Yes. So like my CPA and I, we, we sit down at the end of the year to plan for the next year. What are some things that happened this year that we can help mitigate uh, next year? Is that, you know, something that you recommend is can you speak a little bit on that? Anytime you are self-employed, you need to be doing some tax planning along the way. Uh, there are some, Things are going to happen each year that you can be totally unprepared for. But on the other hand, you need to be aware that your business is going to be growing. It's going to be changing. It's never static. Your tax professional can walk with you along that way. And don't make it necessarily a once a year meeting. I mean, your your tax guy should be your best friend. There are things that I, the one thing I tell all of my tax clients is you never lie to your doctor. You never lie to your lawyer. And you never lie to your tax guy. I lie to my doctor. <laughs> They're like, I eat three salads a day. <laughs> Do you drink alcohol? No. no. Only under duress, yeah. which is every day. <laughs> yeah, one of course. One of the big ones that uh, I see most self-employed people go after, and it, once again, not being a CPA by any stretch of the imagination, uh, I've heard can be a major pitfall is this idea of a home office. Oh Lord, the home office. <laughs> <laughs> Speak about the home office. Oh, the home office. Yes. Okay. Home offices used to be a lot easier to get by with than they are now. Mm-hmm. Right now, if you want a home office, you can have a home office, but it has to be completely dedicated to your business. If you have your kids in there watching TV, it is not a home office. If you have, uh, let's say your computer's in there and you're playing games on your computer, that's not home office. Have someplace else where you do that type of thing. As long as you have a space that is completely dedicated to your business, you can take the home office deduction. How do you prove that? Well, you know, that's one of those things where if you tell me that's what you're doing, uh-huh. then I'm going to accept that. Okay. But then when the IRS shows up, if there's anything in there that doesn't belong there, you need to be sure it is not in there when the IRS agent visits. And they will visit. Hmm. That's what I've heard. I've heard they've actually done home visits and people have gotten dinged for having like a stroller parked in there. Yes. And things like that, which blows my mind because when you think about it, even at your, I've seen, you know, moms or dads even bring strollers into their business office, you know, and, and so it's, it's kind of, I think they've gotten a little silly with it, but probably because they're trying to lock it down from people abusing it. There was so much abuse back 20 years ago that yes, that's why. And they have tightened up the rules and it, 
it makes sense to me. I mean, you are de- the other aspect of this is you are deducting a portion of your home. So when you sell your home, remember that's something that's going to come back to that you have to calculate into your sale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind as well. And most of the time it's 10%, correct? Is that kind of the, the magic number when you're doing for the other home stuff? Or, or the percentage of square footage of the office versus the home? I, I prefer to do square footage. Square footage. That way you can get the most accurate assessment of how much you're paying for utilities, how much you're paying for your lawn care, how much you're paying for upkeep and, rent and maintenance. It, it's an easier allocation to justify. So a lot of times it's not even necessarily a significant amount of money for the risk. If you think there's any kind of real risk there or you're not going to fit that qualification, it may not be the safest. Usually not. It's not going to benefit you so greatly that it's worth, you know. Well, the other aspect of it is if you have an office somewhere in a, that you're paying for outside of your home, then you have to justify having a home office. I mean, if you've got an office two miles down the road and you're saying, I'm taking this deduction for a home office deduction, why in the, do you need a home office? Mm-hmm. I wonder how COVID's going to affect all that. You know, now, COVID will really make it more lenient for at least those couple of years? I wouldn't say lenient. I'd say they're, they're less likely to be audited during those years because so many people were confined to their homes and were not going out. Mm-hmm. That is still the way for a certain extent. So I, and here again, you're, you're talking about the Internal Revenue Service and they are several years behind and they are so backed up. Anything that you've done the last year or so is probably audited for you, but I wouldn't push my luck. Yeah, well, well, there's not. That's one group I don't uh, tend to play with too much. So yeah, no, and you've done a really good job answering that question, even for someone simple-minded as me. And it's hard to start arguing hypotheticals, but I mean, you've kind of laid it out well for us. Teams are a big part of our industry now, so Christopher works on a team. Does he need to think about 1099s for the folks that are on his team? Does that, how does that work when you start bringing on ancillary staff, maybe a receptionist or uh, a coordinator, uh, a contract coordinator? Well, then you get into, are they really contractors or are they actually employees? Are you directing their time? Are you telling them what time they have to be certain places? Are you telling them what they have to do? You've got to look at all those factors whether you decide whether they're employees or contractors. Okay. If they have more free will in the, in the marketplace, then they're more contractors. If it's a receptionist and she has to be there from eight to five, probably a W-2 employee. Hmm. That's typically where they go. It's, it's if you dictate their time or have, have control over their, their time period or, or have uh, edicts, so to speak, of what they have to do. If you have policies, they're employees. <laughs> I'm an employee of Christopher. Oh, oh, no. oh, no, oh he has no. lots of policies, huh? Lots of policies. Lots of policies. <laughs> um, okay, so here's another one. This is this is a, a newer one for Tennessee. Now, I was licensed in another state, and they allowed for PLLCs for realtors. Mm-hmm. Um, Tennessee has just now allowed, started to allow for a realtor to run their business through an LLC right. as a single member mm-hmm. um, LLC. What are your kind of thoughts behind that? Are you recommending it, not recommending it? Are you familiar with it? I'm not that familiar with it. I know that we do have some, uh, in my firm with whom I'm working, we do have some LLCs who are real estate agents. That One thing you've got to remember is setting up an LLC does not necessarily provide you any protection. Mm-hmm. 
um, it just gives you a different form of business structure. If you want to form an LLC, then we'll, we'll be more than happy to help you. Uh, and then, too, I think it has a lot to do with how many people are involved in this. If you're a young uh, real estate professional starting out, stay with Schedule C for right now. As you evolve and expand and you have more, more properties and more people that, that you're touching, then you may want to get into the LLC situation. Touch on that a little bit more because you actually said something that I think is a, a misnomer for a lot of people. A lot of people believe that uh, I'm going to start an LLC for protection. And it's even one that's espoused a little bit differently. So, for example, uh, in the previous that I was, they said that they would allow you a PLLC because they didn't want you to have any additional protection if a lawsuit came about for malpractice or anything like that. Right. But so what is the actual protections or lack thereof with an LLC, specifically a single, single member, which would effectively be a pass through? Well, I think the single member LLC gives the real estate professional themselves control of that company. Whereas if you are a, a married individual and you're a real estate professional and it's a Schedule C, your spouse is responsible for half. So it's kind of a, a protection for your spouse, but not for you. Gotcha. Look at it that way. So then form the LLC, put everything in your spouse's name. No. <laughs> <laughs> Leave them holding back. <laughs> I mean. I love you, Cassandra. Uh, <laughs> You got some makeup to do. <laughs> They'll have a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> Lucy, have we for have we forgotten anything that a member that's listening to this should take away with? What's burning on your heart? Well, the one thing that that is burning on my heart is the fact that real estate in Murfreesboro is sky high right now. But the other <laughs> yes. the other thing that I would I would encourage real estate professionals to do is. You are in the community, you're working with the community, give back to your community. Charitable donations are always a good, effective way to build, uh, to build good relationships with mm -hmm. clients. Uh, and it makes you a class act, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I like, like it. that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of class acts, you are a class act. Okay. You even serve on the housing authority mm -hmm. board here in Murfreesboro. I do. That's I'm cool. also on the Rutherford County Library Foundation Board, and we are doing a fundraiser in May. So if any real estate professionals would like some way to donate some money to a really good cause. We, the Rutherford County Library System is one of the one of three systems in the state that has a bookmobile, and our bookmobile has died. Oh, man. And those suckers are expensive, so we're, we're doing a fundraiser this May. It's time for y'all to turn another page. Yes. Well, it's time for us to get something that's not a 1970s school bus. So. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, there, isn't there a mobile uh, that has a worm on it? Am I thinking of that? It's got a big green worm. They usually it. have the different like murals and stuff on it. I don't know. I don't know if it's Rutherford Counties that did that or, or one of the, but one of the charity events that we support, I think it's the Dolly Parton. Imagination Library. Imagination Library, yeah, yeah. That we had done in the past. They have uh, kind of a, a bookmobile that they were giving away books to kids at some of those events and yeah. stuff like that. So. Dolly has done great work in that regard. She has given, a, you may sign your baby up at birth and they get a book a month until the age of five, I believe. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Uh, it is amazing. I, I can't believe that she has been that generous. There's so much connection you can make with a, uh, a small one when you're reading to them. Yes. And it almost takes you back to when you 
were that age. I enjoyed, before COVID, I would go uh, to a friend of mine that I went to Lipscomb with. She teaches here in the Rutherford County School System, and they would have the read to a class day. And I love that because the kids get an outside person, and you're going back into the classroom, and you're reading, and it's great. It's a great cause. Yes, it is. All three of my daughters are teachers, uh, and I have been to the classrooms and, and read to the kids. The problem is we also have grandchildren who are preschool age, and once this kid gets one book in his mind, that's all he wants. The only book. The only book. Oh, yeah. Read. I don't want that one, Pop. I want this other one. Let, let, can't we just change? No. And they'll memorize it, too. They'll memorize it. Ask. They'll quote unquote read it to you. <laughs> <laughs> As they've memorized it. So. No, no, Clifford did not say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that we uh, want to do, you being our first guest, so you get to be the guinea pig on this one, is oh, as we're wrapping some of these up, uh, we're going to ask kind of three random questions. But this time, they're probably not going to be so random because you've triggered them by a few things that you've said. Okay. Uh, so the first one I'd like to ask you is what are, you know, give a couple books that you have had throughout your life that have had a significant impact on you that you might would recommend to uh, the people listening and watching to, to look into? Well, let me preface this by saying that I don't read for self-actualization or for... We went Maslow. I know. We went Maslow. <laughs> we'll have a definition section at the end of the segment so you guys can know what those words mean. I read for entertainment purposes only. Perfect. Like Mad Magazine? Well, I used to read Mad Magazine. That was one of my favorites. <laughs> um, actually, the, the books that, have, that really strike me as some of the funniest I've ever read were Janet Ivanovich's uh, murder mysteries. They're numbered one, I think she's up to number 26. They are absolutely hysterical. I do not laugh out loud when I read, but my family always hopes I'm reading one of those because I will laugh out loud. Her descriptions are just, you can just see the pictures in your mind of what she's describing. (laughs) So if you need an escape, read any book by Janet Ivanovich. And that's, that's a great thing, you know, a lot of times we end up talking about, you know, self-development, personal development, business development. But the truth is, you know, an escape, catharticism is a, is a big part of needing a break. And we all need that thing that does let our mind rest from what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. So, yes. so yeah. The other one, is, the next one I'll do hit you with is, um, Steve actually got me on this one. What is it that gets you excited in the morning, like when you're getting up, what is it that, that drives you, that gets you out of bed, gets you going, gets you excited to uh, to do or accomplish throughout the day? He made it sound like I'm a pusher. <laughs> yeah. Try this. Well, you know. <laughs> Try this. Well. Uh, the shoe fits. Shoe fits yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's just, I spent so many years in, in state government and in with the federal government, with the Internal Revenue Service, and there's a certain amount of drudgery with that um, and now it's just a matter of I'm semi-retired I get up I do what I want to do uh, I enjoy every day uh, it's a matter of well I want to do this but they're having a meeting and I don't want to go to that so I'm not going and, uh, you know, I, Candy Steve's going to semi-retire now yeah. <laughs> that's what makes life worth living to me is being able to pick and choose exactly what I want to do I don't have to do things I don't want I'm so awesome. glad you chose this one. Yeah. Yes, we do appreciate it. I like you, Steve. 
Oh, he said it. It's on film. <laughs> there you go. All right, one last one for you. If you could have a billboard anywhere that could say anything you wanted and you were going to put a message out there to people, what would you put on there? My message would be it is never too late to have a happy childhood. Love it. Oh, that's great. Absolutely love that. Yes, absolutely love that. Trust me, my childhood was, was not your beaver cleaver upbringing, but by Jiminy, I have enjoyed myself ever since. Um, doing things. I mean, I was probably the only 40 year old that tried rollerblading. Oh. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. That I, is, that I, is. I'm always up to try something new. Now, once you get to my age, it's kind of like if I break something, how long is it going to take me to get over the break? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Have I met my deductible this year? Yeah. Am I going to be in traction? Is Medicare going to cover this? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, thank you very much. I, I truly enjoyed it, and I appreciate you being our first guest on the on the podcast and, and uh, allowing us to kind of pick your brain a little bit about some things that are important uh, for realtors to know about. So thank you. Glad to do it. I do. I appreciate it. And if anybody needs more information, how do they get a hold of you? Okay. I'm currently working with uh, a firm called the MG Group in Tullahoma. Uh, the telephone number there is 931-393-3307. I appreciate it so much. Yes. Glad to do it. Thank you. Hope I can be of service to some people somewhere. I'm sure you will. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tenants in Common. Find out more about the association and upcoming events at www.mtar.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MidTNRealtors. Duplication or publication of this podcast is strictly prohibited without the written consent of the Middle Tennessee Association of Realtors. Until next time.